Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Well, Merry Christmas, Connect. It is good to see you all. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Chris. Get to serve as the pastor on the team here. And we are just thrilled that you decided to celebrate Christmas with us. Something you should know about me is I absolutely love Christmas. From the day after Thanksgiving, we decorate as a family, you know, bring up the bins from the basement. Amanda throws on some Christmas music and we decorate inside, throw up the lights outside, the whole deal. And one of our favorite traditions, you know, in the decorating process is after dinner, what we do is we will have some hot chocolate, some like homemade good hot chocolate, not just the Swiss Miss stuff, like in a crock pot, really good stuff. And then we decorate the Christmas tree and it kicks off the season. And there's just so much excitement around the season. You know, we have three little girls at home, Hannah, Chloe, and Abigail. And just given the ages that they are, five and under, it's like a magical time of year. Lots of wonder and excitement. And it reminds me of when I was a kid, the expectation that would build from Thanksgiving through Christmas. Getting the Christmas tree, decorating it as a family, the school Christmas party, and then Christmas vacation. Our grandparents would arrive. We decorate Christmas cookies. And of course, our church's Christmas Eve service. The, the excitement, the expectation would build so much for me throughout the month of December that come Christmas Eve, I'd have a hard time sleeping. I'd have a hard time going to sleep. I'd have a hard time staying asleep. And I rarely slept until when we were supposed to get up in the morning. Why, you might ask? Well, of course, I was deeply pondering my pastor's Christmas Eve message. He wishes. No, in the morning, I get to open gifts. The gifts that have been piling up. Like, Finally, I get to open them and see what awaits me. And I don't know about you, you've probably experienced a level of expectation and excitement around Christmas, whether it was as a kid or even still now. What you might not know is that there was actually a lot of expectation leading up to the first Christmas as well. Tons of expectation. And what we're going to do in our time together is we're going to take a look at the account of the first Christmas Because if we do, we'll actually get a better idea of what we can anticipate this Christmas. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be verses 18 through 25. It can be a digital copy, hard copy, doesn't matter. If you want a Bible, we'd love to give you one as a gift. There are free Bibles in the back there on the table. And you can follow along in our church app as well. If you're new to the Bible, the book of Matthew is about two-thirds of the way through. And it's written by a guy named Matthew. It's a biographical account of Jesus' life and ministry. And it's titled after this guy, Matthew, who would have been one of the last guys you'd think would be a follower of Jesus. You see, he was a tax collector, which meant people hated him. He was an outcast. His peers, fellow Jews, would have wanted nothing to do with him. And yet, Jesus invited him to follow him. And one of the things that Matthew ended up doing was writing a biographical account of Jesus' life and ministry. And we're going to take a look at the account of Jesus' birth 
today. And as we do it, what we're going to do is we're going to look at it through the lens of three gifts that we receive at Christmas. But before we start opening gifts, let's do this. Let's pause, let's pray, and let's just ask that we would hear from God now. Lord, we come before you, and we are so grateful that we know you, and that we get to look at your word now. Would you speak? Would you help us to know you more? And we thank you for Christmas and the Christmas story. Would it impact our story this Christmas? In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, it's time to open the first gift. But first, what I need to do is I need to set the stage for you, okay? At the time, I was probably 12 years old, and our family had just enjoyed an incredible Christmas morning. Uh, We had our traditional kielbasa and French toast souffle breakfast, did the stockings, opened the gifts, all of them. And then my mom looks at my siblings and I and says, are there any other presents for you to open? And we like look at each other like, ah, nope, looks like the tree's empty. Like we did it. So my dad prompts us, "Uh, maybe, maybe on the tree. So we start to look and we see on the tree is an envelope. So we, we open it up and inside, we discover tickets to Disneyland. And we're like, no way, no way. It's the gift we didn't expect. And on that Christmas, you know what I learned? I learned a very valuable life lesson. The best gifts often come in envelopes. Anyone with me? (laughs) Sometimes they're a gift that we don't expect. And it's the first gift that we're gonna look at in the Christmas story because while for my siblings and I it was tickets to Disney, uh, Mary, one of the, the first Christmas characters, had a gift she didn't expect on the first Christmas as well. And here's how it went down. Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Mary was engaged. She was excitedly awaiting her happily ever after. She was going to be married to Joseph. When on one seemingly normal day, out of the blue, she finds out that she's going to be pregnant. And, And Luke, another guy who wrote about Jesus' life, he gives us more detail on how Mary found out. And I'm just going to read it for us from Luke chapter 1. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. No word from God 
will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. See, Mary was expecting to be married to Joseph. She was not expecting to be expecting. She hadn't been with Joseph. She hadn't been with anyone. So pregnancy was the last thing on her mind. And yet, on one seemingly normal day, she finds out she is pregnant, not just with a baby, but with the Son of God. And while she didn't understand all of this, other people certainly thought they did. You can guarantee it. They, they knew one way for Mary to be pregnant, whether she's married to Joseph or not. So Mary likely felt misunderstood, judged, probably even some shame, not because she did something wrong, but because everyone else thought she did. And adultery was incredibly shameful back then. So Mary receives the gift she didn't expect. And maybe this Christmas, you have received, or you're, you're going to receive, the gift you didn't expect. Maybe, like Mary, you're pregnant and that wasn't your plan. But here you are. Or maybe you thought you were going to spend your Christmas with your family, but you're actually spending it with theirs. Maybe you recently went through an unexpected breakup. And not only are you trying to figure out Christmas, you're trying to figure out what life looks like now. Because you didn't see it coming. I don't know the specifics of your story, but I do know someone who can relate. Mary, because she gets the excitement and the challenges that come alongside receiving the gift you didn't expect. And here's what I would encourage you this Christmas. If you are receiving that gift that you didn't expect, do it like Mary. Do it with open hands and a heart that's full of faith. Because only time will tell the good God could bring through it. Only time could tell. So this is the first gift, the gift we didn't expect. What's the second gift? Well, why don't we open it to find out? So again, picture it with me. It's Christmas morning, okay? You're, you're sitting around the living room with your family and you get to open your gift. It's your turn. So you look under the tree and you're like, oh, this, this looks like a nice one. How about I'll open this one? So you get all ready and you're thinking to yourself, maybe it's the Star Wars Lego set I asked for. <laughs> Who knows? We'll find out. Can I go now? I can go. Okay. So you open it up. A calendar and socks. Yeah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> is what we say, what we really are thinking is, again, seriously? The gift we don't want. That's what this is. And there's, as you would anticipate, someone else in that first Christmas who received a gift they didn't want. His name was Joseph. And here's how his story went down. Verse 19, Matthew 1. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You see, Joseph, like Mary, was excitedly awaiting the happily ever after. What he didn't want was a pregnant fiancé with a baby who was not his baby. And Joseph was over it. You see, his, 
his fiance was starting to show. And now people are starting to look at him with unwanted, unwarranted looks. And he doesn't want anything to do with it. This isn't his baby. He heard Mary's story. The Holy Spirit came on you. Yeah, really? Okay. It's another one of those Holy Spirit births. He's, he's like, no thanks. Like, I don't want anything to do with this. But he's a respectable guy. So what's he going to do? He decides that he's going to break off the relationship just quietly, discreetly. He'll cut his losses and just move on. That's Joseph's plan. Because he got the gift he didn't want. And maybe, like Joseph, you've gotten the gift you didn't want this Christmas. Maybe you were recently laid off, and that means that tomorrow morning is going to look a little different than it has in the past. Maybe it's your first Christmas without a loved one, or maybe it's the 10th Christmas, but even still, you miss them and you don't get to celebrate with them this year like you would have hoped. Or, or maybe you don't really like Christmas. You don't like the whole season. You just want it to be over. You want to escape it all. Uh, you know, everyone else is merry and jolly, but you want to get out. You just, you want it to be December 26th, January 2nd. You just want to move on. You, you don't want to be this way, but anxiety and depression are your reality right now. And you just want to escape. Like Joseph, you just want to escape. You just want to move on. If that's your story, I hope you're encouraged by how God showed up in Joseph's life because God can do the same in yours. Listen to how he shows up in Joseph's life. But after he had considered this, talking about Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After his fiance had her own you know, angelic encounter, Joseph got to have one of his own. Because you see, God didn't want Joseph to be a bystander to the Christmas story. God wanted Joseph to be an active participant in the story. And God wanted Joseph to name the child, the role of a father. So the Heavenly Father wants Joseph to name the child and in so doing, take on the role of the child's earthly father. I, uh, I distinctly remember when each of our kids were born and the, you know, the process leading up to that, and we're, we're trying to figure out, like, what do we name our girls? We're, it feels like a big responsibility, one that's, like, beyond my pay grade. And we would discuss and, and, and wait and, and discuss. And it wasn't really until about 36 weeks with each of our girls that we finally picked a name for them. And then I remember, especially with, with Hannah, our, our, our eldest, where I'm in the, the hospital room. Amanda has just given birth when the nurse comes and like gives me a bunch of paperwork to fill out for the birth certificate. Like I didn't, I didn't know that was my responsibility, but here we are. So I'm sweating bullets as I'm writing out the birth certificate paperwork. I do not want to mess this up. This is not gonna be my first fail as a dad. These days, 
people will name their kid for uh, a variety of reasons. They could just like how it sounds. It could be trendy. It could be a family name. A, a bunch of reasons. And, and all of those are good reasons. What's interesting, though, is back then it was different. Back then, a name had great significance, great meaning to it. It was very closely tied to the child's identity. And if that child lived some life and God had a different plan in store, sometimes God would even change the name midlife. Like, talk about a midlife crisis. But that's how it went. Because the name was almost like a prophecy to the life the child would live. It's crazy. Take a look at Scripture sometime, like read through the Old Testament, and look at how the name lines up with the life the person ends up living. It's pretty wild. So names had a great significance back then. And God wants Joseph to name the baby Jesus. Or in Hebrew, Yeshua. It means Yahweh saves or God saves. There's meaning in a name. So why would God want this baby to be named Jesus? meaning God saves. Now, to understand why that would be the case, we actually have to go back to the beginning, like the very, very beginning. Because in the beginning, God created everything. He created it, it was good, and he created humanity to be in a relationship with him, a perfect relationship with him. We see this in the first couple chapters of the Bible. But what happened is that Adam and Eve, first humans, they ate the forbidden fruit. And it wasn't just that they ate fruit, it was that they turned their back on God and they decided to go their way instead of God's way. And what happened in that moment is sin entered the world. And now there's a whole lot of mess, a whole lot of brokenness, pain, heartbreak as a result. The only problem with all of this is that God, who is holy, perfect, pure, he can't be in the presence of sin, which means he could no longer be in the presence of people couldn't be in the presence of us. Because like Adam and Eve, we've done the same thing. We've turned our back on God. We've gone our own way. We've seen where it's gotten us. And the problem with all this is that sin separates us from God. Now, there's something in us as, as people, humanity, where we, we like long for something more. Uh, we, we crave something more. I believe that's a relationship with God. And the reason is, is throughout history, what we've done as humanity is we've tried to relate with God in different ways. And no one's like explicitly stated it like this, but if you look through history, if you look at your own life, if you look at your friends' lives, like we try to relate with God in different ways. And in his book, With, this author, Sky Jathani, outlines four ways that we typically try to relate with God. And I'm just gonna go through them real quick, give you a quick description of each. And as I do, just reflect like, which way do you primarily try to approach God? Or how do you primarily view him? All right? The first one is this, life from God. Now, in this approach, what we want is God's blessings and gifts, but we really aren't that interested in God himself. We essentially approach God like he's Santa Claus. That's life from God. The second is life over God. In this approach, the mystery and the wonder of it all is traded for proven formulas and controllable outcomes. Our atheist and agnostic friends would fit into this category. And some of us Christians would too, because we are more in love with our airtight, buttoned up, nice and tidy beliefs about God than the God we claim to believe in. 
This is life over God. The third is life for God. And this one's kind of sneaky. It might be the most prevalent in the American church today. I've definitely gravitated in this direction. In this approach, the belief is that the most significant life is the one which is lived that makes the biggest difference for God, doing all these religious practices and duties. In fact, the, the, the success story from this perspective would be like a pastor or a missionary, you know, people who are like doing God's thing. In fact, the pastors and the missionaries who do the most for God are the ones who are the most celebrated. See how it could be one of the most prevalent in our country today? So that's life for God. The fourth posture that Jathani notes is this, life under God. It's, it's popular as well in some strands of Christianity. The idea is very cause and effect. It's like, if we do X, God will do Y. Uh, he, God might as well be a cosmic vending machine in this approach. Press a button, something falls out. You'll hear it preached this way. If you give money, God will give you more money. Or if our country would just turn from its wicked ways, then God would bless our country again. There are these four different ways that humanity has approached God over the millennia. And you know what? We have two. I kind of raise my hand for the life for God, which is the one that you tend to gravitate to. Because we all have one that we, you know, we kind of lean into more than another. But here's the thing about all of them. Each one of those approaches that I just listed, each seeks to use God for personal gain. You see, like God is a means to our own personal end. But that's not the story of Scripture. The story of Scripture teaches us that, yeah, we're created to relate with God, but our sin separates us from God. We can't experience a relationship with Him, at least not on our own. And you know what? That kind of leads us to the third gift. So again, just picture it with me. Christmas morning, and it comes back to your turn, and it's like your last gift. It's under the tree. You grab it. As you grab it, the giver grabs their phone, all right? Or if they're old school, their camera. And they start to snap pictures, and you're like, oh, this is it. Like, this is the gift, okay? So you're all ready, and, and they're recording video now, and you're like, okay, here we go. No way. No way. A new car? I, I don't deserve this. You race over to the window and there it is in the driveway, the new Lexus with the bow on top, right? You're like, no, thank you so much. Okay, maybe that wasn't your story. What about this? You, you know, you're opening it, opening it and, oh, look at that, a ring. And as you look up, you see him down on one knee and you think to yourself, I do not deserve you. But yes, you shout as the tears just come to your eyes. And then you hear this like all too familiar jingle. Every kiss begins with K. Because <laughs> that's what we're sold, is it not? We don't want to live in brokenness. We don't want the mess. We don't want the pain, the heartache. We don't want any of it. And marketers know this. So we're convinced by them that if we can just get the car, like who cares that our life's a mess? If others see us in it, they're gonna think our life's awesome because of the status that it brings. 
Or maybe we realize, you know, I'm pretty broken. But if I can find that special someone, they'll complete me. And it'll all be right. So we hope to receive a car or to receive a ring. But the problem with all of it is the solution to our brokenness, it's not something. It's some one. And the true gift is Jesus, the gift we don't deserve. The gift we don't deserve. You see, like Adam and Eve, we've sinned. Like we, we turned our back on God. We're separated from him, hence the brokenness around us. And if you don't think you've sinned, what the Bible teaches us is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's been times in life where we knew the right thing to do, and yet we chose to do the opposite. We, we knew we shouldn't, and yet we did. We've all been there. We've all done that. And even doing that just once, it separates us from a pure, holy, loving God. Now, the, the, the problem with this is that Scripture also teaches us, for the wages of sin is death. Like, the end result of all of our sin, it's actually death. So yeah, living in brokenness is rough. You want to know what's worse? Eternal death, eternal separation from God. It's like, Merry Christmas. But, but that's not the end of the verse. It's also not the end of the story, at least not because of the Christmas story. We read this in Romans 6. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but, say it with me, the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus is the ultimate gift because Jesus is the gift that we don't deserve. His name says it all. God saves. That's what Jesus means. And there is power in a name. When we try to relate with God, what we do is we do it from our broken perspective. Whether it's life from God or under God, life for God life over God, all these different ways. But here's the deal. God is not Santa Claus. God is not non-existent. He's not a taskmaster. God is not a cosmic vending machine. He will not be used for our end. He's not going to be used to achieve our goal because God is the goal. God's the goal. Nothing else. You know, we were created to relate with God, but not in a, in a from, under, over, for kind of way. No, no, we were designed to experience life with God. And the Christmas story is God entering back into our story and inviting us into a relationship with him. We read it in verse 23 of Matthew 1, but let's read it again. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Christmas is the story of God giving us the gift we don't deserve. The, the gift we couldn't get for ourselves. No amount of religious performance, good works would make it happen. Because we're not trying to like tip the scales, you know, more good than bad. Like this doesn't work that way. Any sin, all sin, it separates us from God. And what we couldn't do, God did for us. He sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him won't perish, won't die, but receives eternal life with him. In life, we're going to receive gifts that we didn't want. We're going to receive gifts 
we, we didn't expect. That's life. Tonight, we have an opportunity to receive the gift we don't deserve. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus connects us to God. He is God with us. And Jesus saves. He saves us from our sin, just like his name says. And just like his name, Emmanuel says, we now get a relationship with God. How cool is that? How cool is that? We couldn't get to him, so he came to us. That's the story of Christmas. Jesus is God's gift to us because God wants a relationship with us. That's what this is all about. Look, I know, I know you got things to do, presents to wrap, places to be, people to be with. I'm right there with you. But for just a moment, amidst the crazy, amidst the hustle and bustle, can we just pause and can we sit in this truth? Jesus is God's gift to us because God wants a relationship with us. Now, just like any gift that's under the tree at home right now, or will be tomorrow morning, a gift can't be earned, but it does need to be received. And the same is true in a relationship with God. We can't earn it, but we do need to receive the gift, the gift of God, Jesus Christ. We have to receive him as the one who forgives our sins and invites us into a life with God. So what I wanna do is I wanna give you an opportunity to receive that gift right here, right now. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer and if you would like to receive Jesus, you could say something similar in your own heart. You don't have to say the same words, they're not magical, but we are talking to the God of the universe, the one who created us and the one who entered into history in the person of Jesus so that we could have life with him. We're gonna ask him to forgive our sins we're gonna tell them that we wanna follow Jesus with our life. So if you wanna receive the gift of Christmas, you wanna receive Jesus, would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for doing what we couldn't do for ourselves, what I couldn't do for myself. I've sinned. I've fallen short of you and my sin has separated me from you. So right here, right now, I, I repent of that sin. I, I ask that you would forgive it and that you would help me follow Jesus because I, I believe Jesus is the way to a relationship with you, God. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose. And I want life with you. I want the life that he offers. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for your love, your unconditional love. In Jesus' name, amen. This is what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus, the gift we don't deserve. Let me pray for all of us, and then we'll sing a song. Lord, thank you for this truth. Thank you that we can have life with you now because of Jesus. We are so grateful. We aren't worthy but we are loved. We are so dearly loved and Christmas proves that. Thank you. Would you help us to grow in our relationship with you as we move into the new year? We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.